Welcome to the podcast. I'm Joanna Colbert, and you're listening to The Casting Session. I decided to create this podcast out of a desire to help actors feel more confident in their auditions. This podcast is an inside look at filmmaking through the perspective of casting. In these interviews, I'm going to provide you with in-depth, enlightening, fun conversations with the industry's top casting directors, actors, directors, and producers. We're going to cover a range of topics like the audition process and the role casting plays in the collaboration with directors and the overall craft of casting. Basically, we're giving you a behind the scenes look into the casting process. So without further ado, I bring you the casting session. Welcome to the Casting Session Podcast. Today, I am very excited to introduce my guest, Jennifer Beals, who is an award-winning actress and producer, and she has a range of credits from L Word, Book of Eli, Taken, Chicago Code, In the Soup, Devil in a Blue Dress, and it goes on and on and on. And in addition to her work on camera, Jennifer is a goodwill ambassador who raises awareness about climate. And she is a busy, busy person who took her time out today to be with us. So welcome, Jennifer. We're so excited. <laughs> Thank you for having invited me. And, I'm, and, and one thing that should be in there, too, is that I get to be friends with you. Thank you. Mutual. And I know it will be for our audience. So the Casting Session podcast loves to what I call geek out about the audition process. I made this podcast to help actors and anybody who is putting themselves out there and showing their essence to the world. And what does that really mean? And how can we help people tap into whatever has to be tapped into to do that in life, but also very specifically in audition rooms? So where do you stand, Jennifer, on this Venn diagram, so to speak, of auditioning and acting? Are they two separate things? Are they different? How do you feel about the audition versus acting? Well, I think to think about that, you first have to define what acting is. And from where I come from, studying with Meisner, acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So the audition is acting. The only thing that is different is that the environment may change, but the core of the acting remains the same. The preparation is the same, but the environment and the confines of what you may and may not do differs. But at its, at its core, the acting is the same. And that journey into your imagination, you know, the simultaneous letting go and focusing, it's an act of tremendous courage. But I do feel like it's acting. So then would you say for the acting in the audition, you would adjust your circumstances? Well, you know, the fact is on set, you don't know what your scene partner will be like either. Right. I don't know that I adjust it. It's just different. It's, you know, do you have props? Do you not have props? You know that you're going in and being evaluated, I guess. But for me, I really think of it as I get to go and act in the afternoon or in the morning, even for a brief moment. And in that moment, I have the opportunity to grow and to embrace that small window where I get to do the thing that I love. And I try to give myself as much love as I possibly can and give myself as much support as I possibly can before going into that room. And in my mind, 
I think of it some in some ways as like almost like a monastic practice. You know, you put yourself in the center of this condensed energy and actors are really like Jedis in various points of development in their journey. And in other ways, sometimes I think of it as like being an athlete. You know, there's that moment before the scene begins and I'm at the top of the high dive ready to catapult myself into the unknown. And in, in both approaches, really the actor or the artist will flourish best surrounded by love and support and by belief. And if you don't feel that in the room, then you have to give it to yourself. You know, you put the crown on and you walk into the room and that room is now yours. I love that. And I love that you said, I get to act. I think that's really important for actors. That simple idea of like, no matter what happens, I'm having an opportunity to act for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. Because unlike writers or athletes, you can't sit there all day with your typewriter, your computer, your pen and write. You can't sit there all day and act. I mean, I guess you could. But it's an interesting thing as to what you're saying. You know, there's the added element of an audience, which tells you that it's also an exchange of energy. So to cherish that moment when you can exchange energy and you can practice your craft. The thing that I've always found very difficult perhaps because I'm not a tremendously social person, I don't know, is that part of the audition where you're expected to chit-chat when you first come in? I'm walking in the room, and there by my side is all my preparation. Like, it's all sitting there quietly waiting for me to tap into it. And yet I'm expected to divide myself and chit-chat, chit-chat, chit-chat. And um, as I got a bit older, I would make the request I said, do you mind if we talk afterwards, like catch up afterwards? Let's do the work first. I remember I did that when I auditioned for um, Book of Eli. And Mindy was great, totally understanding. And um, we did the work. Then I could drop it completely and then just be there in that moment. So there's a couple things. There is the request you can make if you feel it's the right environment to make that request. And you were referring to Mindy Marin. Yes. Okay. Uh, shout out to Mindy, wonderful casting director. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. But if for some reason that isn't possible, maybe someone's just starting out or they're not comfortable or ready to ask for that, or it doesn't seem like the environment where they can ask, then I like to talk about the agility that's necessary. And right, like actors need this agility because as you just pointed out, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in your audition and you never know what's going to happen on set. So there's a certain amount of agility, I like to say, that is necessary in the process of both auditioning and being on set. How does that resonate for you? Well, I think as actors, we have to be able to ask for what we need. I believe the story is sacred, and therefore the casting room is a sacred place. You know, it's the place where that actor who was in the precise moment in their journey not only as an artist, but as a human being who can bring all of themselves to that part, will reveal themselves and make that story come alive. And so those casting directors who can hold that space are treasured. Those casting directors, as busy and as frantic as they may be to, you know, maybe fulfill a role that may shoot in two days, those, those casting directors who can put down their phone or stop answering emails for a moment, and allow themselves to be as open as they hope an actor may be, our treasures. We feel that in the room. 
And that moment in the room for the actor is huge. You know, I can't overstate like how how big that can be. I mean, if you invited them into that room, into that sacred space, into that process, then they're deserving of your time and most of all, the generosity of your energy. So, I mean, I know I've had the pleasure of being in so many really beautiful rooms created by sensitive souls. Now, that being said, yes, I think you do need to have some amount of flexibility because it's a balance. Like you also don't want to let your ego in the process. It's like giving birth, (laughs) you know, the moment ego comes in or anger comes in or annoyance comes in, like when somebody takes a phone call in the middle of a reading, you sidetrack yourself. It's like little demons trying to tempt you off your path, like you must stay on the path of the truth of your work. Though having said that, I have been in a room where somebody took a call in the middle of my monologue and I just stopped and I said, I'll wait. I'll wait till you're ready because I need to also respect myself. You know, even when I went to go audition for Devil in a Blue Dress and originally Carl Franklin had pretty much told me that it was my part, like he was going to give me the part. And then I didn't hear anything for a really long time. And my manager said, well, um, he wants to look for an unknown. I said, okay. I said, I'd like to talk to Carl. And so I called him. And he said, yes, you know, he wanted to try to find an unknown. And, and I said, you know, he said, we've, we've auditioned 400 people. And I said, well, have you found Daphne? And he said, no, not yet. And I said, that's right. And you won't because you're talking to her. <laughs> and I said, I, I want to come in the room. I said, okay, I'll let you in the room. Like, you know, like it was like, I was like, listen, don't do me, you know. Don't do me a favor. Like, I'm going to come in the room. I'm going to work my ass off. So I, I want you there and I want Vicky there. It's like I wanted to have a hearing because I knew it was mine. There's been a couple of times in my life where I know it's mine and I'm just coming to claim it. It's like a sword in the stone kind of moment. Like I'm just coming to go get the sword. But in order to do that, I needed everybody in the room. And so... I spent literally four days in the desert preparing and I just, I just immersed myself and then I drove back into the city and I made sure I went to the beauty salon first. (laughs) I hear it did, you know, and then from there I went straight to the office and Carl was there and I said, where's Vicky? And he said, she's on the phone. And I just said, "I'll, I'll wait. And I did it. So then the next step is a screen test. Wow. And again, like before the screen test, I went to Louisiana and I did as much research as I could. And I came back with my own very small props, you know, things that were small that had meaning to me. And I was so nervous, like shaking nervous. And um, Gary Getzman was so sweet. Like, he, you know, walked me around the parking lot and trying to get me, you know, help me step away from the edge, you know. And and Denzel said, um, are you nervous? And I said, yes. And he said, good, because that means you care. Mm, wow. And then afterwards, he said, uh, it's a longer story than that. But afterwards, he said, I'll see you in the spring. And I thought, mm, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait till the contract comes. <laughs> it's a really nice sentiment, but I'll wait till the contract comes before I celebrate. So Vicky is Vicky Thomas. Yes. 
And it really made a difference to you to have her there as and have her support, right? That's- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, casting directors are, you know, they're just very sensitive to energy. And I know Carl is, Carl Franklin is very, very sensitive to energy. But that's, I think, part of the job, you know, where you recognize an energy that walks into the room. And um, and she's very, very sensitive. And and so I wanted her to be there for that. And I also wanted her to be there just selfishly so I didn't have to do it five times. <laughs> um, but I knew that having her there would, would mean a lot. And that's where we can really talk about how the casting director's role is so important in the shaping of a film. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge, you know, because it's not just casting one part. It's it's really like balancing the orchestra. It's making sure that all the parts work in harmony. Yeah, I call it painting the canvas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you all are painters, for sure. You know, Marion Doherty used to say, you know, your intuition is your tool. And as a casting director, you learn to trust that intuition. It's actually like a, an exercise in trusting one's intuition instead of like second guessing it or blowing it or, you know, not honoring it. Right. Because casting directors get so busy, you know, and I just see this from the producing end. You get so busy and you're so pressured from the other side to like, we need this part. We need to cast this part. You know, how do you stay grounded to let that intuition stay open? Well, it is a balancing act for sure. And it is what you were saying earlier about, you know, as much chaos is going on when that actor walks into the room to really be able to just singularly focus on the actor and give them your energy and time and tune everything out. And also, as I said, you know, just when you've got your 10,000 hours that you're finally able to trust that you know what you're doing. I mean, I got to a point where I would know who was going to get the part by looking in the waiting room. (laughs) You know, just get to that place where you can really trust. And it's not that someone was good and someone was bad or someone was wrong and someone was right. It it was like, what's right for this candidate? And if you have this fortunate time and trust with your director, you know exactly how to bring their vision to life. And that's just such a juicy, creative part of the process. But also, you know, meditating. And uh, I believe you find meditation helpful in your work, too. Is that right? Oh, yes, yes. Well, that's how we met, I think, is the first time in class. And I will meditate in the car. I've meditated in the car before I've gone on to auditions. I've spent the four days in the desert meditating and working and trying to stay open and all the chit-chat, the, the agent chit-chat of contracts and things um, fall away so that I can try to get to the essence of what the work is. I'm so glad you said meditate in your car because I think a lot of people get overwhelmed when they hear, oh, meditating helps so much and they feel like they have to learn how to meditate perfectly and meditate all the time. But if you just need something in that moment, like literally in your car before you go into your audition or just tune in like in the waiting room, you can do that. You don't have to be overwhelmed by being a perfect meditator. Right, exactly. Because so much of it is following the breath. 
which is also really helpful as an actor so you don't get tight. So how would that work? Let's say it is the waiting room. You would just tune into your breath in that moment or? Well, it's hard because I have a couple of tools just from different practices that I've had, but there's a way of seeing and not seeing, right? You, you're, you, there's open eye meditation. People don't even know that you're meditating and the, the Kagyu are famous for it, which is a you know part of the Buddhist tradition. But that comes in handy for sure. Uh, but it's it's also just connecting with your breath and connecting with your purpose and connecting with your why. Why are you there? Why do you want this? I really um, think of it as a spiritual practice, honestly. Like I, to me, there's a reason that acting in a theater is is has its roots in religion and spirituality. You're a conduit, right? Right. You know, you you have your craft. And then there's this ineffable thing that happens, if you're lucky. And you want that to flow, and thinking will definitely block the flow. Yes, and fear is not helpful. And fear is not helpful. No, but it, it, it's, it's funny because, and to me, fear is different than nervousness. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how and why, but I, I sometimes I think when I get nervous, it's a, it's a, it's like a revving of the motor almost. Right. And then there's a letting go. Well, truly being in the moment is the bliss. Anything like a ballerina or a figure skater or a, an equestrian, like you can't do any of those things well if, if you're not completely immersed. Um, and that's the bliss. That's the joy. Sort of like that's where we want to be as human beings. And I think, you know, it's completely possible to be there in that audition room. It can be heaven in there. And the fun thing is that it doesn't even matter if you get the part. You have contributed to your growth. And that's such a wonderful addition to something that we've said on the podcast, which is you're not auditioning for the part, you're auditioning for the casting director. And so their longevity of the casting director's career, they're going to remember you. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you remember that you did that. And then you've all of a sudden grown and your confidence is bolstered. And if there's something that you didn't like, then you go, oh, okay. I want to next time I want to work on that. Just like being in class. It's such a wonderful way of looking at it, Jennifer, and I know it's going to be so helpful to anyone and everyone listening. How do you feel about self-taping? I'm of two minds. I like the idea that the actor has all that control and can use the takes that they've chosen, but I also feel the sadness of missing the very magical thing that happens when you're in a room with somebody. As a casting agent, is it harder for you to read someone's innocence on the tape, or does that still come through really clearly? Thankfully, it still comes through. There is a bit of alchemy missing, but I can still get the person's essence no matter what, you know, even on a phone call. But I miss the room. I think everybody misses the room. The other thing that's great about self-tapes is casting directors now have so many more portals for meeting new actors. So instead of seeing 10 actors in a day, we can see 100 actors. And that's a wonderful thing because we're learning about so many new actors who we may never have known about. Right, right. So that, that's a good thing. 
and, you know, virtual film festivals, you can see so many more films. Yes, that's true. In your pajamas. <laughs> Always a plus. And learn so many more actors and filmmakers. Yeah. I appreciate the self-tape and I hear what you're saying about being able to be, and I'm talking about my life as a producer now. You can see so many more people. I get worried that people will be tempted to scrub through a scene, you know, like someone's precious work, you know, if they don't think they're right, like off the bat. Because there's that thing of, you know, you have that experience with a person and maybe it's just the amount of, of self-tapes that can come in. But you have that experience of the person in the room and whether or not they're they're right for that particular part, you know, you keep them in mind for something else. I know I feel that way when I've watched people's tapes. Like I get really excited about the work. I know that they're not maybe right for a particular part, but I think about them not only as a producer, but as an actor. Like I would really, I want to go act with that person. But I think about the temptation that casting or producers might have to just, you know, scrub through the, a scene like somebody's precious work if they don't think they're right. And in doing so, they might miss a moment, like some this amazing moment or, or even a moment that gives you a small window into what this artist is capable of. And maybe, you know, they're not right for this particular role, but by skipping over that work, you kind of rob yourself of the ability to see what they might be right for down the line. Yeah, absolutely. That is a concern. And also being on your computer all day as a casting director or as a producer, you know, Zooming all day and watching tapes all day, it, it can be very eye-crossing. And also you don't get to see how they take direction. Exactly. But I feel optimistic we'll be back in rooms together. Do you? I hope so. But I think this is something that will be here to stay. Because what I noticed even before COVID was people were asking for self-tapes. Yeah, interesting, right? So we also like to talk on the podcast about coffee and tea rituals. Do you have any coffee or tea rituals? Uh, well, in the morning, the first thing I like is a glass of water with like lemon. You know, that's the first thing. And then after that, I'll usually have like a black and green tea together. Ooh, how do you do that? I just put one tea, two tea bags in one. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing big. And and I'll put a little honey and lemon in that. Coffee for me is truly medicinal. Like it's 3 a.m. and I'm on set and I, and I need the coffee. But having said that, you know, certainly black tea has, has caffeine. And sometimes I'll have matcha, you know, if I really want the turbo ride. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me of water and lemon in the morning. I I really like that, and I forgot I haven't done that in so long. Yeah, it's really good. It just kind of just like a little reset, and you know, if you're having a hard day, like the lime in the water is really good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it does. I guess there's a reason that like margaritas have lime. It's the happy citrus. This has been really fun. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been so illuminating, and I'm so grateful to you for taking the time. Oh, thank you, and thank you to everybody out there for your courage. And audience, I know you'll be listening to this one a few times. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for listening today. I hope you found the episode enlightening. It's really my true desire to share a unique perspective on the casting process and help you feel more confident and inspired. The podcast is available on Anchor and Spotify. For new episode updates, you can follow the show on Instagram at The Casting Session. 
please feel free to share this with your friends and write a review. And tune in next week for more behind-the-scenes gold. I'm Joanna Colbert, and I'll see you at the next casting session.